Hi, I'm Miss Tyler. Welcome to this week's episode of Context for Kids, where I teach you guys stuff most adults don't even know. If this is your first time hearing or if you've missed anything, you can find all the episodes archived at contextforkids.podbean.com, which has them downloadable, or at contextforkids.com, where I have transcripts or readers, or on my Context for Kids YouTube channel, where I post slightly longer video versions. All scripture this week comes from the MTV, the Miss Tyler version, which is the CSB, or Christian Standard Bible, tweaked a bit or a lot to make the context and the content more understandable for kids. All right, well, things are about to get really exciting really fast. Some of what we will read about today will be a review of last week because we're going to see a lot of the hospitality rules that we've talked about last week. You know, in fact, I'm not even going to do an intro today because I want to see how much you remember from our last lesson. How many of the rules will you recognize? Let's find out as we read the first eight verses of Genesis 18. The Lord appeared to Abraham at the Oaks of Mamre while Abraham was sitting at the entrance of his tent during the hottest part of the day. Hold it right there. The Lord did what? You know, We've heard over and over again about all the visitations Abraham has had, but we don't really have a lot of details. Up until now, we've had absolutely no clue as to what this looked like or even if it looked like anything we or he could understand. After all, the word appeared could mean appeared as just about anything. God appeared to Moses in the burning bush, but that doesn't mean that's what God really looks like, right? God could appear as anything he wants to appear as. Now, it seems to be the speaking which is the important thing, and the appearance is more like a sign that, yes, this is really an out-of-this-world experience. But there isn't anything out-of-this-world about the appearance in today's story. In fact, it's pretty darn ordinary compared to the burning bush. As we will see next week, Sarah certainly wasn't alarmed, and neither was anyone else who was in the camp. I want to talk about a Greek word before we go to the rest of the story, and that word is theophany. It's a fancy word that means an appearance of God. The ancient Greeks used it, when they were talking about the times during the year where they would take a city idol out of the temple and into the streets and parade it around. The people would look at it and, believing that the idol had their God's presence in it, see that as an actual appearance of that God among them, a theophany. They knew the statue wasn't literally their God, but it was the closest thing possible. You know, they didn't actually want their gods and goddesses walking down the street because that would likely mean they were in huge trouble. But what the word meant to them was very useful to us because God isn't a burning bush, just like the Holy Spirit isn't a dove, even though the Spirit looked like a dove when it came down on Jesus after he was baptized. But God was in the bush, speaking to Moses through the angel of the Lord. Don't ask me how that works because my brain is too small and I'm not going to pretend to have it all figured out. 
God can appear in and speak through a bush that is burning, but that doesn't make him the bush. And today we're going to see that the Lord is visiting Abraham as one of these three men. Does God look like a man? Of course not. God told Moses that no one has ever seen him. You know, God isn't like us with an actual body that he's stuck in. The Bible says he is invisible and doesn't have a body. And since you have to have chromosomes and DNA to be human, or a human who happens to be a man, God had to create those things to make us and all the animals. He isn't a human or a man. Jesus became a man so that he could live among us, save us, and become our king, but he didn't start out as a human being like we did, okay? So when we call this a theophany, it means kind of the same thing as the Greeks meant when they saw an idol. Well, Moses knew all about idols, too. When he told these stories to the children of Israel in the wilderness, it made perfect sense to him and to all of them that God could become whatever he wanted to be so that he could appear to us sometimes. So let's get back to this week's Bible reading. Abraham looked up and he suddenly saw three men standing near him. When he saw them, he ran from the entrance of his tent to meet them. He respectfully bowed to the ground and said, My Lord, if I have found favor with you, please do not keep on traveling past your servant. Let some water be brought so that you can wash your feet and rest under the tree. I will bring a bit of bread so that you can have enough energy to get where you're going. This is why you've come so close to my camp. Later, you can get up and keep traveling. Yes, they replied, do everything just as you said. So Abraham hurried into the tent and said to Sarah, Quick, prepare three measures of our finest flour and make bread. Abraham ran to the herd and got a choice tender calf that they'd been fattening up for a special occasion. He gave it to a young man who hurried to prepare it. Then Abraham took curds and milk, as well as the calf that he'd prepared, and set them before the three men. He even served them as they ate in the shade under the tree. It's time to get to the hospitality part of the story. If you were confused about all the details last week, I hope they're making some more sense now. First of all, I'm not sure that Abraham actually had a clue that this was God appearing to him. Otherwise, Abraham would have washed his feet personally instead of offering to have water brought so they could do it themselves. Would Abraham let God and his two mysterious companions wash their own feet? I mean, wouldn't you want to wash God's feet? I think I certainly would. You know, sometimes it's confusing because in English, our Bibles say, the Lord appeared to Abraham, and later it says, My Lord, if I have found favor with you, but those two lords are very different words. The first time Lord is used is actually God's name, Yahweh, which is why it always appears in all caps as Lord in the Bible. And that's what the narrator, the storyteller, which was probably Moses, is telling us. He knows 
all of what Abraham doesn't know yet because God and two angels just up and appeared at Abraham's camp. It's kind of nice to be reading about it just because we get all the inside information that everyone in the story is still clueless about. Although, you know, there is another possibility. Maybe Abraham did know exactly who it was and he was simply too terrified to touch the feet of the Lord. I would be even though I would want to wash his feet anyway. At least I think I would. It's impossible to know what we would or wouldn't do and would or wouldn't want to do in any situation until we're actually in that situation. I hope I would want to, and I would hope that I would get to. You know, you guys know me by now, and I study a lot, and so I read a lot of different opinions from very smart people who love God very much and know their Bibles a lot better than I do. Some are alive now and some have been dead for a long time, but they loved the Bible and had some really interesting thoughts. Way in the future, when Moses asked to see God near the end of the Exodus, God said that no one could really see him and live. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Samson's parents in Judges 13 and they figured out who they'd been talking to, Samson's father thought they were going to die. But then Samson's mom said, you know what, if God is going to kill them, then how could she have the baby God promised her? But now we have this gray area because if they believed those things, then Abraham probably believed them too. Having the angel of the Lord appearing to him and hearing God was probably scary and stressful enough, but what do you do when God shows up on your doorstep? Do you dare even touch him? So, you know, the story could go either way. Either Abraham knew or he didn't know. Either way, he didn't want to touch their feet, good host or not. Now, the second time Lord is used, it's in small letters because it's just a title of respect. Adonai, in Hebrew, my Lord. That's the title Abraham uses when he talks to the three men and invites them to lunch. And there were a lot of these titles that could mean entirely different things depending on how they were used in a sentence. Adonai can be God, absolutely. But in normal life, it was more like saying sir or master. The Greeks had a word exactly like it, meant the same thing. Kurios. We translate it as Lord today because that made sense when the Bible was first translated into English, where lords were rich landowners who had to be treated with respect or else. But no one uses Lord to describe anyone anymore, except over in England and rarely even there. When we hear the word Lord in America, we immediately think of God. But Adonai was a much more common word that could mean all sorts of things depending on whom it was said to. Abraham is using lowercase lord, Adonai, not necessarily because he knows that this is really the Lord God, but because he's speaking respectfully to the visitors and wants to offer them hospitality. Lots of people could be called Lord and not just God. There are actually quite a few Bible words like that. Not just Adonai, but also Elohim, which we translate into English as God, and Baal, which means master or can even mean husband sometimes. 
all of those words would be and were used to describe our God as well as the false gods and even powerful people. It all depends on the context. And as you hopefully remember, context is all the stuff we just know and so we don't have to explain to each other. If I say, for example, I wound the bandage around the wound, even though wound and wound are spelled exactly the same, when you read the sentence, you know exactly how to read it without even thinking about it. You don't say, I wound the bandage around the wound. If you're an American like me, we'd say we're going to roast dogs on the 4th, which means barbecuing hot dogs on the 4th of July. If you don't know our culture, you might think that we're cooking up Dobermans and Cocker Spaniels for dinner. Just like that. When ancient Israelites used the words Adonai, Elohim, and Baal, they knew from how the words were used in the sentence exactly what was meant. But God's real name, Yahweh, always means the same thing. We don't use that word for anything else or anyone else. God's name is the most unique and special word there will ever be. So anyway, God and two angels just appeared in the camp and Abraham immediately jumps up, even though he's 99 years old, and runs over to them. Now that's our first clue that this is a hospitality situation. He was the only person in the camp who could invite people in. Not even his 13-year-old son Ishmael could do that. Abraham knew that when strangers came close, they weren't trying to be secretive or sneaky or trying to avoid dealing with people. These men weren't trying to avoid Abraham, but wanted to meet him. So Abraham behaved like a good host and ran out to them and invited them into his camp, placing them under his protection for as long as they stayed. Of course, out of everyone who ever visited Abraham his whole life, these were the ones who actually didn't need to be protected, right? He offered them water to wash their own feet, a place to relax in the shade because it was hot, and some bread to give them energy for the rest of their trip. Because it was the middle of the day, he doesn't offer them a place to stay for the night. No one was traveling in the middle of the day unless they needed to get somewhere before nightfall. Abraham even knew they probably wouldn't say no because they had come close to his tent on purpose. They didn't even pretend they weren't interested in staying like, you know, many travelers would have. Think about it. If they had said, no, we got to get going, they would have been lying because meeting up with Abraham is exactly why they came. So, of course, they agreed right away. They told Abraham to do everything he had kindly offered to do. Abraham hurried back to his tent and told Sarah to get some of their finest wheat flour and make bread for the guests. Sarah was 89 years old, and so we don't really know if she did it or maybe she had Hagar or another slave make it for her. Already, we see that Abraham isn't just bringing them a bit of bread, but is making them the best bread they can offer. Compared to the bread that they normally ate, this would be very soft and fancier, the kind of bread a king would eat all the time. Abraham is already treating these visitors with great kindness. And not only is he giving them the best bread possible, 
he told Sarah to make enough to last them for a very long time. In fact, if you go and look at a gallon-sized jug of milk, he was telling her to use six-gallon jugs worth of flour, which is like 36 pounds, which would make a ton of bread. Abraham isn't just feeding them one meal, but giving them enough bread to get them to wherever they're going. One gallon of flour makes about eight nice loaves of bread, and she's making six times that much. 48 loaves of bread, which would be, I don't know how many flatbreads. And, you know, it was even more work because she isn't making loaves, but more like large, thick tortillas cooked directly over a hot fire in the middle of the day. But let's back up a bit. How on earth did these visitors get all the way to Abraham's tent without anyone noticing? We can look at the word appeared and decide that, poof, they were just there all of a sudden. Personally, I figure that's what happened. Even if people were resting from the heat, it shouldn't have been possible for someone to get that close without anyone noticing them and running to Abraham. But Abraham doesn't seem alarmed or angry that no one told him. Now, I can think of two answers to that question. Maybe you can think of others. One, of course, was that he knew exactly who it was. But on the other hand, we have to remember what just happened at the end of chapter 17. All the men had been circumcised, which is pretty dang dumb pleasant when you are an adult and it takes a lot of time to heal up afterwards. All the men might be in their tents except for the ones who absolutely had to be with all the critters. If Abraham knew that they were all in their tents recovering, then he wouldn't be surprised that these men had gotten into the camp without being seen. That's my guess, even though I think they just popped in. Now, later in Genesis, we will see a whole city full of men who got attacked three days after being circumcised, and they couldn't even get up to defend themselves, and they were all killed. If they couldn't even get up and defend themselves, I guess it would be easy to walk through the camp, and especially in the middle of the day, when there are almost never any travelers to look out for anyway. I need to tell you something in the book of Hebrews. It says, always love each other as brothers and sisters should. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers, because by doing this, some people have welcomed angels as guests without even knowing it. Well, obviously, the author of Hebrews, and we actually don't know who wrote Hebrews, is talking about Abraham and Lot. I'm going to tell you a story about something that happened when my twins were babies, and they will be 23 next month, so this is a long time ago. I was driving through the tiny town I was living in, and I saw a man who looked homeless. He was dressed in dirty clothes and had long, scraggly hair, and was carrying a stick with a hook on the end of it. Now, I didn't know it at the time, but those are for picking up cans to recycle. I mean, back then, you could still get money for turning them in. And all of a sudden, I heard God speak to me saying, get him something to eat. But then I started to argue. I was just a kid. I was like, I was 32. Okay, give me a break. And I was just a baby Christian. <laughs> you guys have probably been Christians longer than I had at that point. Now, say, I knew it was God, but I'm generally scared to death of people in general. And this was just asking way too much. I said, no, Lord, you don't understand. Yeah, I like it when I tell the Lord what he doesn't understand, right? I have my babies in this car. 
And this guy is twice my size. Okay, everyone is twice my size because I'm very short. And back then, I was thin too. And if you would, you know, care to look, Lord, he is carrying a stick with a hook on the end. And I argued and argued and God never even replied. He just let me stew in it for a few minutes before saying, okay, I'll do it. <sighs> like I was doing him a favor, okay? And boy, was I grumbling as I said it. Now, God knows exactly how to get me to do stuff. He says something once and then he's just there. And I can feel his presence because he isn't letting me forget what he told me to do until I give in and do it. So I drove over to the store and I went in and got a big deli sandwich and soda. You know, I almost got him a ham sandwich, but then I thought to myself, hey, maybe he's Jewish. I'd better get him roast beef instead. So I bought him that and a cold soda, and I drove back to where he had been, and the dude was gone, okay? Oh, no. I had to drive and drive and drive around our tiny town before I found him again, and when I did, he was right across the street from the store when I found him, which is crazy, all right? Well, I pulled over and ran up to him with the bag and said, God loves you, and he told me he wants you to have this. He took the bag looked me square in the eyes and said, I love you too. I'd like to say we talked, but I'm going to be honest here. He looked at me and said that, and I was terrified and just ran to my car and drove away. I have never felt that way in my life, no matter who looked at me, no matter how they looked at me either, and, and no matter what they said. I thought about it for many years, and I believe that God was testing me and that it was an angel, even though I can't prove it. I think it was like an angel of the Lord situation where, you know, he was talking through the angel. Now, some of my friends think it was Jesus, but I just don't know. All I know is that the sound of his voice just about knocked me over. I felt just like how the Bible describes it when people hear angels talking to them and they drop down to the ground and try to worship them, but I wasn't even calm enough to do that. I just bolted out of there. I still don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure about one thing, whether that was an angel or Jesus or simply a homeless man, that was God telling me he loves me. So you just never know. All you know for sure is that if God ever tells you to do something for someone, just do it. And when do we know it's God and not our imagination? Well, that's hard. There are all sorts of people out there who say they hear from God, but the things they hear are vicious and cruel and do a lot of damage to hurting people, okay? I know that sometimes I think I should do something and then I just obsess over whether it's God or not, but I can tell you one thing for sure. When it really is God, I don't wonder. It's like getting hit with a two by four. It doesn't hurt, but you can feel the words hit you. When God really wants to be heard, he isn't shy about it. Now, as we get more and more used to hearing his voice, he speaks quieter and in many different ways. But when it's really important, he makes sure we know it. You know, it wasn't until after that that I first read Hebrews 13. Over the years, I've had some strange things happen, and when they did... I've always offered food and drink just in case. Now, you guys have to be careful because you're kids and I don't want you being too friendly with strangers, okay? 
but you can always go to your mom or dad or whatever adult you're with when you think that somebody needs hospitality. Make sure you listen to them when you do and don't go inviting people into your house without their permission. I want you guys to be safe while you're learning to hear what God has to say to you. I want you to know if God tells you to do something and you get it wrong because you're confused, you're scared, it's okay. And God won't stop loving you. He will give you other chances to get things right. You know, we're just humans. He created us with the ability to mess up and he seems to expect us to mess up a lot. But even when you get it wrong, he'll help you get it right or at least more right in the future. I love you. I'm praying for you. And maybe you can talk with the people who love you about what it would be like if three strangers showed up on your front lawn and you gave them lunch and it was God. 